Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hey, everybody, it's Jody Katz, your host of Where Brains Meet Beauty podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. This week's episode, of course, is recorded over Zoom since we're not yet back to our offices. It features Dr. Ava Shamban. She's a dermatologist and founder of Ava MD and Skin 5 Clinics. And if you missed last week's episode, it featured Doreen Block. She's the executive director of the Makeup Museum. And I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I am so excited to be sitting with Dr. Ava Shamban. She is a dermatologist, the founder of Ava MD and of Skin 5 Clinics. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. Thank you. <laughs> it's so, so funny. I always think there's going to be an audience. Thank you. So delighted wait, wait. to be here. Here's the audience. Yeah, okay, here. thank you. That's better. That's better. So you spent so, a lot of time in Hollywood, Ava. I, mean, I have. I have. I'm like, where's my live audience? I guess it's just you. But I do, even with having a live audience, uh, I, I've gotten very accustomed to, you know, like having having just a virtual audience, people who I can't see. So this is perfect. Okay. Well, we're, we're doing what we can during COVID. This is week eight or nine or 10. I don't, I don't even know. Whatever. <laughs> Is your practice open now? Yes, we are open. We are open. We're seeing mostly medical, but we're starting to see cosmetic as well, elective procedures. Yes. And was it hard to get up and running again, get the team in order and get all the processes ready? Well, it was really important that we set up standard operating protocols and then the the all the systems, all the agencies that are involved with safety too have weighed in and that's a constantly chain moving territory. So, but yeah, we're doing well. I'm really happy with the safety protocols that we that we put in place both for the patients and for the staff, of course. I've been on a lot of Zoom calls for work, of course, and I'm in New Jersey, so you know, we're sort of in the the hot zone here. And what's so strange about having all these Zooms with people across the country is that I did a Zoom today with Florida and there's two people who work together sitting in the same room and we're like, wait, how does that happen? It feels so foreign. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Another team in St. Louis and they're both in the same office having a conversation. Like, when do I get to do that again? Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to say. I mean, we're being super careful out here in California because we have so many people here that we would completely overwhelm you know, any kind of hospital situation. And also it's a terrible, it's just a bad virus. It's not a regular, it's just not a regular acting virus. So anyway, we're doing the best we can. Well, um, I want to talk about so much that you've had such an accomplished and dynamic career, but I want to start with this idea of um, signature features. Tell us what that means. So signature feature is a concept that I came up with about 10 years ago when I was asked to lecture to a group of physicians, about 2,500 physicians in Asia. It was a, a it was an Allergan sponsored meeting. And I was asked to speak about what was going on in Hollywood. And so, I don't know, I guess they were expecting like kind of all inside secrets and everything, I don't know. but. I was thinking about, because at the time I was almost traumatized by how much bad work was going on in Hollywood. And so I thought, why are these actresses like ruining their faces? And, and who's like, who's the folie à deux? Who's the crazy people who are allowing this? And so I realized that as I looked at the actresses and, I, and, the, and the biggest offenders, the ones who really changed their looks and then ruined or, or forever altered their careers, 
I realized that um, that there was something about these actresses that was, I called it their signature feature, something that was particularly beautiful and memorable and unique to that individual. And so I thought, so I gave the talk and I didn't really think that much about it. It was the beginning of the, of the meeting. And then at the end of the meeting, when they were wrapping up and I was not part of the ending panel, the head of it said, they were asked, what do you think is gonna be the big takeaway from this meeting? And they went down the line and then they got to the head of the, of the program. And he said, you know, I think it's gonna be Dr. Shamban's signature feature. So I was like, oh. And so over the last 10 years, I've spoken about it, I've written about it, I've had both to my colleagues, both in medical meetings and also just to the public. And it's a really, it's just a great idea because it's based on the fact that Everybody has something about them that is really beautiful and really unique and individual. And so the point of beauty is to highlight and showcase that, that particular feature, which I call sign signature feature. Right. So um, this would be, I think, an incredible topic to talk with adolescents about. Have you ever been in front of an audience of kids on this topic? No, I haven't. But that's a great idea because I think that the adolescents and, and even before the adolescents, they spend so much time online looking at other people and seeing, you know, that they became famous or well-known or whatever. And they're, and they're like, well, I don't look like them. And whether it's the color of their skin or the way their hair is or whatever it is, I think that people need to be reoriented and starting at a young, impressionable age about like, hey, I'm beautiful in my own right. Right. It's like, um, I mean, I grew up with um, like Christy Brinkley and, um, you know, all these women that like sort of fit a mold. Right. And um, that's what I knew of beauty. And there was no, I'm 44, so there's no social media. Right. It was just like TV and movies, magazines. Um, and I definitely have had, you know, so many things that I was self-conscious about. Um, and if I, I think, heard this message early on that like what beauty is unique and not beauty is sameness, right? I might have had a different point of view and might have been kinder to myself um, through the years. So, you know, it's like, I think it's like a pre-middle school conversation, you know, um, to start thinking about how the definition of beauty is not what other people think of you or what other people see. It's, you know, what you see in yourself. Um, that's really, that's really, I love that line. Beauty is unique. It is not sameness. And that's exactly the point. And I, and I'm so, I'm so, I'm just thrilled to hear you say that if you'd heard that when you were an adolescent, that you would, that you would feel much better about yourself. I mean, the same, the same thing here. I grew up in Los Angeles. Do I look like I'm from Los, do I, that's my joke. Yes, I'm from California. You know, I'm tall, busty, and blonde, you know. <laughs> I remember saying that when I was in college. And this woman was like, sounds like a Nordic wasteland out there. Oh my God. <laughs> So it was only when I went to college and I met all these New Yorkers and I like, oh, here are all my, here are my people. Here's all the petite brunettes. And so, yeah, it's true. I hadn't really thought about it that way, but that's what, that's another thing. Every time I talk about this, someone brings in another element to it. I mean, Oscar Wilde, um, Oscar Wilde has a great statement that I often will end the lecture with, which is be yourself. Everyone else is taken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that, um, kids teach adults how to think differently so when i was a kid it was um like me teaching my mom to put the seatbelt on in the car like she didn't grow up with a seatbelt in the car <laughs> right and i of course learned in school you're supposed to put your seatbelt on so i'm like why aren't right. you putting your seatbelt on and then the kids who are a little young younger than me they taught their parents to wear bike helmets right nobody wore a bike helmet before 
Um, right. So, you know, I think if we start teaching kids about um, what beauty really means, um, they can teach their parents um, because I think there's just too much. Um, we spend too much time worrying about what we look like. Right. And not celebrating what we look like. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We spend too much time worrying about. Um, and I think also just trying to imitate other people's looks. And I think, you know, I mean, I'm. I'm a huge fan of the Kardashians because they've made it much more acceptable to have a more, you know, voluptuous figure, that that's beautiful. So that's wonderful. And also that, you know, brown hair is as sexy as blonde hair, if not sexier. And, um, and so I think, yeah, but, you know, but then you start seeing people wanting Kardashian lips and Kardashian eyebrows and, you know, all that stuff. And it's not, that's not right for everybody. It's not right for everyone, every face. Right. So, you know, as a dermatologist, you're really, um, you're there to have these conversations around skin health, right? So mm -hmm. I imagine that on some of these topics, you're, you're part therapist, uh, part dermatologist. <laughs> yes, Am I yes. right? Yes. Well, of course. I mean, I think that all of us physicians, you know, we're in the healing, we're in the healing business and healing is part of really helping someone feel good about themselves. And so, yes, you're always a little bit, you want to pay attention to that side of health too. So yes, yes, a little bit of a therapy, a little bit of therapy. <laughs> hey everybody, it's Jody. I know I'm interrupting this great podcast, but I do have an important message and it concerns the legal health of your business. I just did a recording recently with Steve Wagler of Emerge Council, and he taught me so much about um, how important it is to trademark your business the proper way. And he actually met me um, when he was considering starting his own brand. And what I didn't realize at the time was that he's an expert in brand protection and he represents a number of small and even huge beauty brands. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of reasons why you need to listen to this episode, but I would say that some of the most important ones are policing the market against counterfeiters. Like this is a huge thing in our industry right now. Um, protecting the secrecy of product formulations, having strong, protectable brand names and unique packaging enforcing MAP pricing policies and distribution channels and documenting terms and conditions and all the really important stuff, even influencer marketing, like everything like needs to be protected. So um, I really like Steve, his episodes full of really important information. And Steve is a lawyer and he understands that legal stuff can sometimes be a drain or a bore, but it's so important for the health of your business. So please call Steve. He offers a free initial consult, which I think is really great. Get to know him. He wants to get to know your business. And please tell him that I sent you. So you can go to EmergeCouncil.com, E-M-E-R-G-E-C-O-U-N-S-E-L.com, or call Steve at 1-800-EMERGE-0. So that's 1-800-E-M-E-R-G-E-0, which is a very cool phone number. And ask for Steve. Um, we have to protect the legal health of our business as much as we protect our distribution and our innovation. So this is really important stuff. So let's go back in time. Um, I want to know, um, is when you grew up, did you always want to be a doctor? Was this an aspiration of yours when you were a kid? Yes. Yeah, so I think when, when you're little, you, it, it's really important to be able to listen to that quiet little voice in your head, which is like, I really love to do this. And, you know, we all start out with like jump rope and hopscotch, or at least, I don't know, that's what we did when I was a kid. We weren't playing video games, 
But so maybe now you're, you know, kind of doing some video games. Hopefully you're still playing hopscotch. But there's always a little voice in your head that says, I really love this. I really love that. And so for me, and so then that becomes your calling. You know, you may need to do something else to make a living, but you want to know what that calling is so that that will really bring you joy. And so for me, I was fortunate because I had that little voice inside of me saying, I want to be a nurse. (laughs) And so I went to the library, I read every single book about it. And I don't even know, it was just, it was just there. It was just there. And so that's what so when I was like nine or ten yeah that's when I really I really knew that and um and then to my mother's credit she really encouraged it she just was like she was basically go for broke (laughs) give the orders don't take the orders I was already kind of bossy be a doctor and so that's how that started yeah you were a bossy kid I guess so. Um, I guess it seems I was, but I was kind of, I was way, I was the third child, but I was really raised more like an only child. My sister and brother are much, much older. And so maybe only children are bossier. I don't know. (laughs) Are you bossy now? Um, That's what the guys who I date tell me (laughs) and my (laughs) husband's. Yeah, I'm a little boss, you know, but well, I have a big staff now. And so so yeah, I'm a little bossy. I have to I have to tone it down. I do. I have to tone it down. <laughs> you know, this thing about being a bossy, like I like definitely like to be in control, right? It feels more comfortable. But then there's parts of me that I'm like, I just wish everybody else would make a decision, right? Like just make the decision. I don't want to make decisions anymore. Right. So do you ever feel that? Like even if like with this kind of bossy, you know, guide guidance system you have inside of you, like do you ever just want other people to be the boss? No. <laughs> um, well, you know, I mean, that's a, that's a really broad conversation. I mean, yeah, I mean, I would like the people who were supposed to be doing what they're supposed to be doing to be more competent at it. Yes, that's for sure. Sure. Do I want someone to boss me around? Um, I don't, you know, I don't know. I haven't been in that kind of a relationship. And so, but that being said, I'm oh, not. I was I'm thinking the, about in the office. I wasn't thinking oh. about your personal life. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this is a podcast. We get to talk about anything, right? That's right. Um, no, so in the office, no, I make the, well, but here's here's been one of the keys to my success at building kind of a, a very multi, we talked about, you know, the patchwork quilt, kind of a very patchwork quilt kind of career is that I'm really good at delegating. And I do really believe that it's so important that that you are able to delegate, that you're able to, um, that you're able to have other people, oh, who's here? My dog just got back from her walk. Um, That you're able to help other people or allow other people to expand in all of their, the work that they do. And um, so I think that's super important. And so I have, so now I've got like, you know, it's like a, I've got like heads of all these different departments. And so, you know, I am bossy, but I'm not telling them what to do. I want to hear what they have to do. Right. So, um, you know, when you go to medical school, do you take business classes? Is this something that's part of the protocol? No, no, not at all. So you have to figure it out on your own. Yeah, you pretty much have to figure it out on your own. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, you do. Because, I mean, are you, as much as you are a dermatologist, are you also, you know, a CEO? Well, I would say I'm not quite a CEO. I would say I'm an entrepreneur. um, And that I think like all entrepreneurs, I'm very creative. 
And so I sort of swing back and forth. But in terms of if, if I was actually a business person, not really. I mean, I don't really know how to design a, you know, <laughs> I don't really know how to design a budget. I mean, other people do that for me and I don't really know. <laughs> I'm so terrible about watching all the numbers. It's pathetic, honestly. And I don't really, I mean, I just don't, I, I, because I do, because I'm a doctor too. So I haven't taken the time to do, yeah, business stuff. <laughs> So you told me this great story about um, how your career in TV started, and I think you started it in your gym clothes. So can you tell us that story? <laughs> yes. Yes. So I had I had been doing, um, you know, a little bit of news television here and there. And so there's a, one of the plastic surgeons in my community was one of the doctors on this show that was from like 2005 called Extreme Makeover. I can't believe it's 15 years ago already. It's unbelievable. But anyway, it was called Extreme Makeover and it was kind of the mother of the makeover shows. It was absolutely the mother of the makeover shows. So the other shows that came after like Extreme Makeover Home Edition, that was a spinoff. The Swan was a spinoff. They were all, you know, there was a lot of copycat shows and which is a huge compliment to the people who created Extreme Makeover. Anyway, the surgeon called me and said, said, you know, I've got this patient. He had the Southern accent, which I can't possibly do. And he said, I've got this patient and they, and I'm doing this show called Extreme Makeover. And I had like three little kids. And so I was like, I never watched television. You know, we all we had on was like Sesame Street and I don't know, whatever the predecessor to SpongeBob was, you know? And so he was like, He's like, yeah, so they're going to call you because she really needs her skin taken care of. I said, okay. So they called me and they said, well, we want to meet you and we want to see how, how we want to see how you're, what you're going to do. And I said, okay. I said, but you know, first I really want to meet the patient so I can decide what I'm going to do before we film. And I'm thinking, okay, and before we film, I'm going to get my hair blown dry. I'm going to get my makeup done. You know, I'm going to wear a cute outfit or whatever. And they said, okay, well, that's fine. I, they said, well, we're going to come by, how's Saturday? And I said, okay, Saturday's good. I said, I'll come after I go to the gym. And so, you know, I go to the, I was at that time, I was going to the gym on Saturday mornings and, and, you know, leaving the gym, wet hair and just, you know, like casual athleisure. It was before it was athleisure, clothes, whatever. So I get to my office and the, one of the producers is there. And then one of the line, I don't know, the, the producer and then a camera guy. And so and at that time, they had cameras that were almost as big as your kitchen. They were so big. And I, um, and I said, I said, really? Camera? They said, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're just going to film you talking to the patient and, you know, no problem. And I'm like, uh, my hair is wet. I, I don't have any makeup on. And they're like, well, you know, just go ahead, dry your hair. So then I, so my office on Saturdays is open. So I borrow some earrings from one of my staff. I, um, actually, I don't even think I put any makeup on. I think I just blew my hair dry. Maybe I put some lipstick on, I don't know. But I was a child, you know, so it was fine. <laughs> anyway, so then we're filming. <laughs> we're, and he's directing me, he said, you know, can you say that again and do that? And I'm like, okay, sure. So we're filming and I figure out what I'm gonna do with the patient. I said, okay, great, now we're ready. We can film whenever you're ready. They're like, okay, fine. And so, <laughs> it's, it's so funny. So. Uh, as it turned out, that footage went into the final show, you know, the final show. But the good news is, is I did well enough on my, my screen test. It was effectively what it was that then I did, I ended up being on the show for the next two years as the so regular. Kind of, yeah. What kind of impact did that exposure give your practice? 
So, you know, you have to remember that in 2005, 2006, that was way before there was internet and it was all about television. People didn't really, people didn't research. Like I never see a new patient now who hasn't checked me out on Yelp on, I don't know, maybe five different sites. They've gone to my website. They've seen some of my video, you know, they've, it's like a whole other, they already know me by the time they get in. So that kind of exposure, it was primetime Thursday night, ABC. You know, it was a network show, ABC. It had, I don't know, 12 million viewer, 12 to 20 million viewership. It was a lot of people. So all of a sudden my practice exploded. I had to take on extra space. I took on extra help. I was so busy. It was, I mean, I would get home at 7, at 7, 7.30 at night and just collapse into bed. It was just incredible. People flew from all over the world. I saw people from Egypt, from Ghana, from South Africa, from Belarus. I mean, I saw people from everywhere. It was amazing. It was an incredible experience. Um, we mentioned Kim Vo, who is the hairstylist on that show. Yeah. And his um, entry into the show was the same as yours. It was a friend who was his client, right? And she said, oh, we're doing the show. Do you, do you want to, you know, you want to come try it? You know, it was like an, it was a nothing thing, right? It was just an idea at that point. Right. Um, and look what it, and it did the same kind of thing for his career. Like, you know, um, it made him the official guy for blondes. You know, it was a um a real moment for his career it's just so cool how these like small moments turn into ha having big impact right that's we don't know why these interactions happen right we, we don't get to choose them but um seeing them and like paying attention to them like you could have said no you could have said no saturday doesn't work right um you should be like nah i don't want to do it on a saturday and you might have lost that opportunity that's exactly right that's exactly right um so before we close out i do want to give a shout out to your college roommate who i think is the one who suggested dermatology for you is my that medical right? school my medical right. school roommate <laughs> yeah my medical school roommate cheryl clark dr cheryl clark who's in new york yeah my best friend yeah and she's a dermatologist as well is that right she's a dermatologist as well yes yeah she does pretty she does a lot of medical dermatology she's totally my lifeline <laughs> yes well, it was cheryl's yes. idea suggestion that you try dermatology so um let's give her a nice shout out yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly true. Well, Ava, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with our listeners today. It was so great to have you on the show. Oh, it's so my pleasure. And I just want to end by saying that everybody should pay attention to those little opportunities that come up when you least expect it and should really try them out. Don't be afraid. Just go for it. Beautiful wisdom. And um, we'll end it with that. And for our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this interview with Ava. Please subscribe to our series on iTunes. And for updates about the show, follow us on Instagram at Where Brains Meet Beauty Podcast. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.